There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice up with an open net. He scores. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. This may surprise the guest on today's pod, may surprise many of you listening to this pod. Not a lot of pessimism coming off an exciting and thrilling Minnesota Vikings victory this past weekend. Welcome inside edition number 142 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Say it with me. Say it in your car. Say it on your walk. Say it on your jog. Say it while you're sitting at your desk at work. If only in my own mind. Hard to believe we've now done 142 of these things I like to call Minnesota Sports Chat already. One prominent guest... A man also fulfilling what we like to call the Manny Quota (laughs) is none other than Mr. Manny Hill from Score North Jazz 88 and everywhere in between. Manny, how you doing? Quite well, my friend. How are you? Well, I'm going to guess you're feeling pretty good today, probably for the same reasons that I'm feeling pretty good today. We'll let Fox Sports uh, break down a little bit of it with one of many really big plays in yesterday's game this is the one I went with because it still to me is not necessarily unfathomable that it happened just unfathomable unfathomable I'll slow down there unfathomable that something this good happened to the Minnesota Vikings zero breathing room he tries to sneak it the ball is loose impossible do the Vikings have it Scramble for the ball. It is a touchdown on their last breath. Well, believe it or not, that may have been their last breath, but it didn't actually put Buffalo away. There was still some work to do after that, but the Minnesota Vikings win. Uh, Manny, just an incredible regular season game. Maybe the best I have ever seen the Vikings playing in my lifetime. I'm 36. I don't know if you can say it's the best regular season game ever. I think that's all subjective. There are obviously some people that believe that. It might not even have been the best played game, Manny, but incredibly entertaining. You can't make up the twists and turns in the final, I don't know, half quarter into overtime. And again, you know, I've said all year long, all season long so far on this pod, I still don't know how good the Vikings are. I have a much better idea after yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I still believe there are losses coming. They're not going 16-1. and one. But right. if you can come back from three scores down in the fourth quarter 
to a team that I think we all believe will be there at the end in the AFC. Maybe they don't win the AFC, but I think we all believe they'll be one of the final two or four teams. That's a heck of a win for the Minnesota Vikings. And the type of game, they just don't win very often. So how can you not be ecstatic after seeing that? Well, and you look at the at the advert they faced in that game really from from I won't say start to finish because they actually got out to a really good start again it went down took the first possession and went down and scored a touchdown and jumped up seven nothing but really after that from that point on till you know the maybe the latter parts of the third quarter things really unraveled for them and all of a sudden you know they were down by 17 and I think to to come back from from that deficit and to have some things not go your way along along the way as well. And that, and that's where I I kind of you know cuz I I tweeted after the game and I said you know that was a legit tough grinded out win for the Vikings. There was no no real luck involved. If there was luck involved, some of it was bad luck, you know, bad officiating, bad calls that were missed. By the officials and you know me you and i were both kind of the same in this we don't like to harp on officiating too much but the gabe davis missed drop catch that was bad and then i don't know if you you probably saw the that uh there was a play in overtime where dalvin cook got uh brushed back by like three yards the bills had had 12 men on the field yes (laughs) so things like that you know were, were kind of working against them um it was just uh, it was it was really impressive to me. I I thought, you know, you you go into that situation, you're on the road, one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. I mean, even when the Bills have been lousy, that's a tough place to play with. You factor in the, that crowd is always into it. Whether the Bills are going to be three and fourteen or fourteen and three, that crowd's going to be into it. The weather is always kind of an issue um, for them to go in there and and kind of grind out a win and and you know withstand some some hefty right hooks that the Buffalo Bills were throwing at them um, was pretty impressive. Well, and you're starting to see the depth of this team really be tested. You have Booth Jr. having to play yesterday, which, by the way, thank goodness, at least we know he's out of witness protection program and that he is uh, still a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Caleb Evans, these guys being forced to play because guys in front of them are now starting to get injured. Newsflash, it's the NFL. You don't typically stay perfectly healthy all year long, no matter how much you want to say we have the world's greatest training and we have the world's greatest staff and system in place. I do want to touch on two individual players, however, both on the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with Justin Jefferson. Manny, at the beginning of the year, I I said, look, I, I know he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. He's probably going to be a Hall of Fame player, but I don't know if we need to make the Randy Moss comparisons just yet. Funny how a half a season changes things because (laughs) you start to look at the numbers and you start to look at what he does week in and week out for the most part. There are exceptions. There's exceptions with every player. Again, they're humans. They're not going to be perfect every time, even though we want them to be because they're professionals. What records, assuming health, what records does Jerry Rice hold that this guy can't get to? Because I would argue there aren't many. Assuming health, if Justin Jefferson plays long enough, there's a lot of Jerry Rice records that I would feel could be reached. This is a Hall of Fame player. He, yeah. Assuming yeah, yeah. health, he's going to the Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, and you and you look at his his game and his style of play. It's a style that you you would think can age very well. That this is a guy that you know again health permitting, as you said, if he gets to be in his mid thirties, he's still going to be a really productive player because he's not a guy that relies. You know, he's got good speed. He's not blazing fast, but he's got he's got good speed, um, and you know he's got great hands. He runs routes. He's he's just um, he's just a, a sensational all around wide receiver and and I'm with you I mean I I think definitely you know if he keeps this going and stays healthy he's on his way to Canton there, there's no doubt about it and it's and it's weird to say that about a player in his third year only in his third year in the league but Ross we're we're, we're nine games into the season and the guy's already eclipsed a thousand yards for yeah. the season. and again so, we're assuming health which is a big assumption especially yeah, think- in the NFL yeah, I, I think the one if if there's one thing that might if there's if there's a record that Jerry Rice has that I'm not sure that Justin will get to, it's probably the touchdown one. Because yeah. I think he only has I think does he have twenty touchdowns yet? I think he has twenty touchdowns now. Um after yesterday. Uh but you know, I mean Jerry Rice had I think over two hundred touchdowns for his career. So I mean that's that's probably the one that you look at. And you say, okay, yeah, that that might be that might be pretty uh pretty insurmountable. But other than that, man, like the the guy has um he has all the goods. He he has all of the tools to be one of the all time great players at that position. And we've seen a lot of great wide receivers in this league for a number of years. And that's why it's hard for a lot of those guys to get into the Hall of Fame because there have been so many good ones, uh, so many great ones that are not in even now. Uh, but I think if he keeps on this trajectory, he's he's definitely going to be um, he's definitely going to be wearing a gold jacket in Canton. One hundred and ninety-seven career touchdowns for Jerry Rice. Manny, the team he caught his final touchdown pass for was. I think it was the Seattle Seahawks, wasn't it? It was the Seattle Seahawks, and the yeah. last uniform he wore was Denver before calling it quits. And I don't believe he ever played yeah, in a regular he, yeah. season game. I think he did do like the one day contract with the 49ers and retired. I think, I think he did do that sort of that one day contract so I can retire as a 49er type of thing. The man who throws the ball to Justin Jefferson, uh, his name is Kirk cousins. He's the Minnesota Vikings Mm -hmm. quarterback. I would say this about Kirk cousins as somebody who has always been fairly Kirk cousins, agnostic leaning towards don't love the guy. With the caveat, I'll protect myself here, as you've heard me say numerous times. I think the Vikings can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I just think it's hard, but it's it's hard to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Look at the Packers. It's yeah. hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL if you have anybody other than Peyton or Eli Manning or Tom Brady in the last 20 years, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard to do that. Yeah. I guess yeah. you can throw Big Ben in there, but you, you know what I'm saying. But I I will say this, with all credit to Kirk Cousins, I don't care about the numbers, and this is my favorite version of Kirk Cousins. He doesn't care about the numbers. At least it doesn't seem that way. And Look, I'm not saying he's always cared about the numbers. I'm not saying that he's been that guy. I think fans, we've always looked at that and said, well, boy, the numbers are nice, but you're on a 500 team. Mm -hmm. This year, the numbers aren't that great, and you're on a team that's on 8-1, and or that's 8-1, and and I would say, in large part, because 
you have overcome your imperfect play. Days where you have gotten beaten around, you get right back up and you come back for more, and you seem to do it happily. When -hmm. your team needs you to march down the field to get three or seven, literally every time this season, they've, they've done it. Will that run out eventually this season? Yes. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I don't think they're going 16 and one. But each time you win a game like this, it continues your momentum going forward. You'll remember this the next time you're presented with a situation where maybe the game isn't advantageous for winning. And by the way, Manny, this is how you hold on to a one or a two seed in the conference. When you win games like this that most of us assumed were unwinnable, and then you go and win it anyways. Uh, honestly, yeah. I I can't be much more happy than I am. There's there's nitpicks. I think it's okay to nitpick even in a game like yeah. yesterday. But overall, yeah. eight and one in the play of the quarterback, I'm fine with it. If you think- if you can overcome your interceptions and your mistakes and do what you've been doing all year, more power to you, man. This is my favorite version of what we like to call now Kirko Thuggins. I don't know if I love that one, but I'll I go heard, with Kirk. I heard, uh, I heard uh, Harrison Smith was on the Rich Eisen show last late last week when uh, our guy Tom Pelissero, um, hi Tom, was was, uh, <laughs> was filling in for Rich for Rich Eisen because Rich Eisen was going to do the game and play by play for the game in Germany, um, and he had he had Harrison Smith on, and Harrison Smith was like Kirk Thuggins or something, and I thought okay. I don't know if Kirko Thuggins would work. I think we've kind of jumped the shark on these names anyways. Can't we just let him let him be who he is? Kirk Thuggins. Kirk Thuggins made me kind of chuckle a little bit when I heard that. uh, When I heard Harrison Smith other than that, that was kind of funny. But um, (laughs) just be a little careful. Uh, Listen, I I think that um, Sunday's game showed me with Kirk Cousins. This is exactly what we've been looking for from him for five years 100 percent. that can you it, it's not about you know how many yards and how many touchdown passes are you throwing it's it's can you get up off the mat when you're getting beat up when you're having a rough game against a good quality opponent and still overcome that and find a way to win a football game i mean you look at the overall numbers the overall numbers aren't great he two he threw two God awful interceptions. I mean, they were both awful. <laughs> um, but he overcame it. And then you you saw him buckle down and and make some really um impressive throws. There was there was the one throw, I think it was after the Jefferson like crazy fourth and eighteen catch. He had another throw to Thielen, I think, that came to the near side of the screen. Yeah, the floater, and, right? Yeah. And yep. and he had a guy like right in his face that was basically gonna blast him and he stood in there and he made a great throw and hit feeling right on the numbers i mean that that's the kind of stuff the 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 pass to jefferson in overtime where he kind of threaded it in between two defenders and jefferson was right there to make the catch kind of near the end zone and maybe the one that you're the one you might be thinking of not to cut you off or a similar Mm -hmm. play that comes to mind was the kj osborne one that was just a six or seven yard gain but threading threading the needle yeah yeah i mean that that's those are the kind of plays that, you know, this team needs from Kirk Cousins. It's it's not – he doesn't have to throw for 350 yards and four touchdown passes with no picks every single game. 
You know, nobody cares about that. It's it's the W and the L columns and the stat sheet. That's what people care about. That's what he's getting paid to do. Um, so I, I've been, you know, I will say this. I've, I've been as every bit as much of a critic of Kirk Cousins as anybody. He's he has impressed me this year because I think there's 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 a there's a level of mental toughness. I think that he's that he's kind of developed this year. I think the entire team has kind of fed off of that as well. And, you know, this was a this was a team the last couple of years under Mike Zimmer. They just they weren't. At times, they were not always the best prepared, I don't think, especially last year. There were a lot of games that they lost, I thought, because of coaching. Um, but this this team just seems like they're more ready to play. There's more of a confidence in there. And uh, and there's 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 a there's a level of mental toughness, I think, that they've that they've reached that they have not had um, really, I think, since 2017. The end of that uh, fourth quarter emotions are quite something because on fourth and one, I think they made the right call to quarterback sneak. The execution obviously wasn't so great. But you should, should have leaped over the line. But you then, should have leaped over the over the goal line. But then you also think when you see it in real time, you're like, oh, on second effort, I think he got there. They'll overturn this. Then you see the replay, and I hate to say this, but in classic Vikings, you're like, oh my gosh, he didn't get there. How did he not, yeah. right? Yeah. But then I, I do remember before Josh Allen snapped the ball in my head, and I can't take any credit for this, and there's no way to prove it. I do remember thinking, well, this isn't technically over. I mean, you could you could force him back. Maybe he gains no momentum, and they end up having to punt it to you because they took a safety. Maybe you stuff the running back in the end zone. I did think, well, yeah, that could happen, that they could there could be a fumble. But it's just it's just weird that at that moment I'm like, well, this isn't technically over, but I never in my wildest dreams envisioned that that would happen. And I was actually borderline offended by the broadcast crew who was talking about, well, you know, maybe you take the safety here and you punt it away. Look, I I, I have zero faith in Greg Joseph. There's there's no way with 40 seconds on the clock. Yeah, yeah, you can't take that safety because now you only lead by two and you're punting it back to a team that's probably only going to need to go 35 yards to be in field goal range. And look, Greg Joseph has had a lot of misses this year. He's also made some kicks. He doesn't statistically mm-hmm. miss every kick. So you can't do that. You can't do that. They did the right thing. Yeah. And in this and, case, and it I, just turned out to be the wrong thing because they didn't execute. Well, that that that's just it. It you know, a lot of times it's it's more about it's it's not so much about the decision. It it does come down to the execution. Like, do you do what you're supposed to do? And that's where I I always kind of push back when people like complain too much about officiating. It's it's like one call gets missed, you know, you still got to keep playing and you still have to go out and execute on the next play. And eventually those things kind of even out. Now, yesterday again with the Davis catch and then the 12 12 man in the in the on the field thing that was those are two pretty bad misses by the officials but still it it does always come down to execution and and the the bills that was kind of surprising to me too with the bills not just with that but the 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 two interceptions that Josh Allen threw were just kind of mind-boggling and and credit to Patrick Peterson for making a play on both of those um interceptions but the one, uh, the first one that he threw when it was twenty-seven seventeen, um, I didn't, I didn't understand what he. It looked like he was just kind of trying to 
throw one into the end zone as it, a, sort of a prayer type of yeah, thing. And yeah. I don't understand that. The one at the the one at the end was really bad because it's like, where are you throwing the football? Where are you even looking? Yeah, the one yeah. Of, the one at the end is to me kind of well. I mean, that's the bad one. The first one is he's running out of time. He's got nothing to do with the football. Yeah. I'm yeah. the guy who wanted uh what do we call him Pat P now? Pat P. I wanted him to take the knee in the end zone and he ends up taking it like an extra 15 20 yards out. So <laughs> joke joke was on me on that one. Okay, so if you want a few few nitpicks to steal a purple daily bit and I I talked about this on a before we die podcast which you can find um on YouTube or in the Purple Daily feed. Uh, my nitpicks are this. Uh, a couple times in the last few weeks, third and one and fourth and one, you haven't handed it to your very expensive running back one time, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me. That's four mm-hmm. plays right there where you haven't given him one chance to pick up a yard. Both times you didn't get the first down. So as I've jokingly said, don't love the Viking short game to steal a, a putting analogy there. And I don't know what you can do about it. I don't really know how you can fix it, but... There's a problem with Greg Joseph, and I think we all knew that this would be a problem at some point because the guy's never been a great NFL kicker. He was pretty good last year after he was shaky to start, but I've never been one to trust him just knowing his history, and now this year he can't make an extra point. I don't really care about the field goals beyond 50. It would be nice to make a few of them, but whatever. Many of those are coin flips. Correct. You yeah. you just got to make your extra points. And, and I would say this, miss miss all the field goals you want, even if they're 40 yards. And here's the reason why I would say this. And I think the Vikings offense would say this. If Greg Joseph is out there to kick a field goal, it means the Vikings offense failed. When the Vikings offense does what it's supposed to do and scores a touchdown, I'm getting really tired of the guy who's like five foot eight, 140 pounds, sopping wet. <laughs> <laughs> and his job is to put the damn ball through the uprights, yeah. and, he keep, and he keeps missing. <laughs> yeah, although I think it, and I tweeted this out too when it happened, I, I think him missing the extra point yesterday actually kind of helped them. Well, in the long <laughs> run, it, well, I said for- In the long run, it ultimately helped them, but- For my it's, psyche- it's still, it's still, you still want him to make the extra Yes, point. and for my psyche, I said, well, at least now we know the Vikings will need to score a touchdown and we don't have to worry about him trying to kick a game-tying field goal or right. something like that. But, you know, I don't know. That's starting to weigh on me, but I would say, I mean, go look at the scrap heap of kickers. Is anybody out there really better? I would say probably not, but no. are, there, are there guys out there- monster. Right, but are there guys out there I can maybe trust to make extra points on a more regular basis? Maybe that's the trade-off. I don't know. I think they're going to stick with him because they have to. At this point, he hasn't cost them a game yet. Had that extra point cost them the game yesterday, I think we'd be having a different conversation. Not necessarily that he was released, but maybe you'd start to hear the rumblings of, well, they're going to bring in such and such to, to push him a little bit. I did get a chuckle out of this. Remember the rookie free agent the Vikings had in camp last year and by all accounts he was awful he missed literally almost every kick that's a bit of hyperbole but he was just missing kicks left and right I forget his name but yeah Yeah. well you don't I forget his name too but here's the funny part he's now kicking for the Jaguars and missing everything for them so it, <laughs> so it, it is it, it's a little bit of buyer beware right the guys that are available yeah. to you are people you have chosen not to play like in this case the guy kicking for Jacksonville is a guy you saw last year in training camp and went, wow, he's brutal. Well, now he's <laughs> kicking for Jacksonville, and he's missing every field goal. 
yeah yeah it's it's just i don't i don't i don't even know how to explain it why this team continues to have kicking issues i mean it just it it does make you appreciate ryan logwell a little bit more he's the only kicker they haven't ruined in the past 25 years yeah right dan dan bailey people want to say that the vikings ruined dan bailey but he was already damaged goods when he got here yeah, he I, was worse when he was here, but he was already damaged when he got here. I have a tough time thinking the Vikings ruined Gary Anderson. I felt I feel like Gary just got older. Like by the time Gary was kicking for the Vikings in '98, he had already been kicking in the NFL for at least a decade and a half. It had he'd been in the league for already I think 15, 15, 16 years at that point. So I think Gary Anderson just got older <laughs> and just not as good. Um, but yeah, Longwell's the only guy that was and Longwell kicked here for what seven years, eight years? Yeah, made some oh, big Longwell. kicks, one that clinched a division. So, you know, good for him. Years. I think it was six years because Blair Walsh came in 2012, right? And Longwell came in 06. Yes. So, yeah, Longwell kicked Longwell kicked here for six years. I, I think I have what might be able to fix at least the current woes. Okay. If you believe in Full circle karma, things coming together in the mm-hmm. seventh round of whatever draft he'll be available because I don't know what year he is. In the seventh round, the Vikings need to take this kicker from Auburn. He has the last name Carlson. They need to take him. That is the brother of Daniel Carlson, and they just need to bring him in just to yeah. whatever's in the air here. They just need to bring him in to see if that will help fix it. What is his well, name? Is he like Anders Carlson or something? He's he's got a bit of a different name. I might be making that up, but uh, yeah, I'm not. Admittedly, I've not watched a lot of Auburn football this year. Well, there hasn't been much of a reason to. You know what you need to watch Auburn football, Manny. Mm. You need a good cup of coffee. Need to stay awake for watching Auburn football. They did win 13 to 10 this past weekend. With interim head football coach Carnell Cadillac Williams, which continues to make yeah, me how about that? Yeah, how continues about that? to make yeah. me giggle. I bet you if Cadillac lived here, listened to this podcast, maybe he does listen to this podcast, and I don't know it, don't know why he would, but if he is, thank you. He would be a big fan of Beans Coffee Company. They're celebrating one year at their brand new roasting facility in Mankato. They're inviting you to celebrate with them in honor of the occasion. They're releasing a new, brand new blend. It's the Perfectus Blend, a cheery, robust, light roast that will permanently join their outstanding lineup. The blend is currently taking pre-orders until Sunday the 20th. That's this upcoming Sunday. All pre-sale orders will be roasted and delivered Thanksgiving week in time for that holiday and all that holiday cheer. Look for it at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. Don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. Note this will be edited because I'm going to steep. Ha! Woo! That's promo code SPORTSCHAT when you order. I'll just read that over again. Look for it at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT when you place your order and you'll save a little bit of cash. That's right, you work hard for it, so save it. And while you're doing that, you'll support Minnesota Sports Chat. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of three bags or more. That's coffeebybeans.com. 
promo code SPORTSCHAT. Okay, Manny, two very quick things for you on the way out the door. Argonauts or Blue Bombers? Who's taking home the Grey Cup this upcoming weekend? Let's go, Winnipeg. Let's go, Blue Bombers, baby. For the W, baby. I, I can't in I can't envision another scenario. Well, I guess there's really only two scenarios: Toronto wins or Winnipeg wins. But you know what I mean. Go, go, Bombers! Fly the W. Okay, in closing for you, you and I sat. Um, we upgraded into the beautiful people seats on Saturday. Golden yeah. Gophers do what they need to do. They get the victory. They move to seven and three. As I start to do the math here and look around, I think the Gophers' path to winning the West, it still exists, but I think the path is actually fairly simple. Win out, Purdue loses one game, Illinois loses one game, you have won the Big Ten West. Percent chance that you think that could happen for the Gophers? Um, To me, it feels like you're asking the Gophers to do more than the help you might get. I I think yeah. I don't think Iowa and Wisconsin are great teams, but I think they're going. Especially Iowa is going to be a really tough matchup for a team that is struggling to pass the football with a young quarterback. But if you would have told me after losing three straight, there would be two games left in the season, and the Gophers would have a, it's probably more than a puncher's chance, but it's not a great chance. If you were to tell me after losing those three games, they would still have a viable chance to win the Big Ten West, I would say, okay, cool. But it all starts yeah. with you got to win your own games. Yeah, so, I'm, I mean, I, I think you look at what Illinois has left. Illinois has Michigan and, and Northwestern left. Yeah, probably so They're probably going to lose to Michigan. Yep, so, so you assume Michigan. Yep, so then you're ahead. If you win out, you're ahead of Illinois. Yep, and then and then Purdue has let's see, Purdue has Northwestern and Indiana left. Now, Purdue's kind of a weird team because they've they've played fairly well this year at times, and other times they've looked kind of bad, like they look terrible against Iowa. You're gonna Um, need some help from Indiana. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, maybe I don't know. Northwestern's kind of a weird team too. Maybe they find a way to go into. West Lafayette and win. I don't know. Um, but it, it's the the most important thing though is Gophers have to take care of business and win out. And that means you you got to you got to beat Iowa and you got to beat Wisconsin. Listen, PJ Fleck has beaten Wisconsin twice, and that's cool, including last year, and that's great. He's got to beat Iowa, man. Like this is this is it's PJ is what in year six. This is year six, right? Yeah, it's year six, maybe year five by his definition. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he still hasn't beaten Iowa yet. He's on five against Iowa. Like get it done, Peach. Find a you way. Gotta, you gotta bring Floyd home. I mean, you know, Jerry Kill found a way to beat Iowa. I think he Jerry beat Iowa twice, right? I uh I don't have the numbers in front he of beat me. Him his first year. Yeah, he beat he did beat him twice because he beat him his first year. Um, and then he beat him again. Remember the the I think it was the fifty one to thirteen game or whatever. At, uh, it, at the bank. In his first year, the Gophers were three and nine. He beat them that year. He did. He yep. beat Iowa there. Okay. Yeah, I still remember that. I do remember our guy Jeff Horton got a win over Iowa too, yeah, they, who they, was interim Iowa, coach. Yeah, they beat they beat Iowa twice, two years in a row at the then TCF Bank Stadium. That's right, because they they redid everything, and the Gophers were fortuitous yeah. enough to get them two years in a row. 
And in Jerry's first year, remember the onside kick? Yep. Remember the Gophers went for the onside kick and got it and then went down and scored another touchdown and won. Um, I, I do think this is a, a, a very tall task for the Gophers, though. Iowa has done literally what I've said from day one they would do. They've gotten better offensively. They're, well, <laughs> last week notwithstanding. Their defense is incredible. So, they, so it's a low bar. Yeah, they, they set the bar pretty low offensively. They have great special teams, but we talked about this as we were leaving the bank on Saturday. If you don't turn the ball over and you do what you're supposed to do on special teams as far as block up your kicks so they don't get blocked, the Gophers, whether they can pass the ball or not against Iowa, should have a really good chance to win this game and get to eight and three. They should. And, you know, you just have to, at some point, you know, everything with the Gophers should not, we shouldn't be going into so many of these games, just kind of crossing our fingers and hoping that, hoping that the right Gopher team shows up and hoping that the dominant Gopher team, you know, a team that's dominant in the running game and doesn't turn the ball over and is sound on defense with tackling and, and not making a lot of mistakes. That's the team that needs to show up this week against the Hawkeyes. And I mean, again, it's, it, it's time. It's time for, for them to, to do this and, you know, just do what you can to put yourself in the best position possible to, to win this division because it's, it's there. It's there for the taking. You need a little bit of help. You need to win out and you need some help from, you know, a, a Northwestern or an Indiana maybe, but you just have to take care of what what you can control. And right now the Gophers can control what happens to them against Iowa. They can control what happens to them a week later against Wisconsin. Yeah, and Find I get the nine wins and then, you know, and then you just, everything will fall into place the way it should. At yeah, that point. I said this three weeks ago, Manny, did I think the Gophers would rattle off five wins in a row and give themselves a chance to win the West? No, but I also said there's not one of the final five games that they can't win. Well, now right. we're through 60% of those games, and they've won three of them, so they have yeah. done their job. Iowa's uh, gotten better, but Iowa is a winnable opponent. Correct. And win that game, so damn it, go do it. <laughs> and win that game, and I don't even want to put this out there, but if you have to win that game at the sacrifice of losing the following week to Wisconsin... I really don't even like saying that, but but so be it. You got to beat Iowa at some point, and if you're not going to beat them at home this year, yeah. odds are you won't beat them on the road next year. If not now, when Manny Hill beat Iowa, let's go. Don't, don't let Spencer Petrus torch you. Come on. Or what was the what? My one yards per pass last week. Or Vicente Padilla's kid, or whatever his name is, something Padilla. Vicente yeah. I mean, Padilla. Been, I mean, Petrus has been playing most of the year for them. I mean, it's just he had 94 yards passing on Saturday. Like, come on. Against man. the Wisconsin defense that I think is pretty good, but not great. Anywho, right. I'll talk more about the Gophers in Iowa a little bit later on this week in this feed with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com. That is Manny Hill at MannyHill84 on the Twitter machine. Thank you, Manny. You got it, my friend. I am Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on the Twitter machine. Please reach out. Please rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat. Please tell your friends and family all about this pod. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again real soon.